You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Sofia and I'm a law student. And welcome to our radio show called A Fresh Perspective on Current Affairs. We'll be discussing what's been going on in the world and how we feel about it as young Muslims in the society. You know, where do we fit in? What's our place? And joining me are some of my beautiful learned friends who will now introduce themselves. I'm Meher, I study politics, and I'll be offering up some of my opinions on the topics we have chosen. Uh, I'm Kulsum, I'm an English and Journalism student, and I'm excited to share my opinion too. I'm Hamna, and I'm a psychology student, and I'm here to listen to what my friends have to say, and I'm looking forward to contributing to the conversation. Enjoy the show. Today, we're going to be talking about climate change, um, actually continuing our discussion from yesterday, and specifically focusing on the devastating impact it's had on the global south. And yeah, just the fact that that's been underreported on, and yet it is ravaging um, the lives of so many people. And the, the scale at which it's happening is just so unimaginable to the West. And it's something we have to talk about. So just to give you some context um, and some facts and figures to back this up, because sometimes the fact that, you know, global climate change is happening feels a bit, you know, abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for example, I think very close to home, in fact, if you even look at India and Pakistan, uh, in the last couple of years, there have been scorching temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we know this is, you know, India, Pakistan are hot. It's a classic thing. Yeah, but yeah. this is another level of it's actually damaging the crops, um, you know, damaging people's welfare, but also distribution of food to people. Mm-hmm. You know, the most core necessity, bare necessities of humanity yeah. are being compromised here. And it's also making them incredibly vulnerable to health conditions and skin cancers, which obviously they have less capacity to deal with. Mm-hmm. And um, as we know, recently, there was a flood in Pakistan. And I think just to give you some contact, uh, just to give you some perspective here, Pakistan is the fifth most populous uh, country in the world. Mm. And a third of that country was submerged underwater, meaning that number of people, I think it was 30 to 50 million people were, actually you know, more, a lot more people than that were affected, but 30 to 50 million people were displaced. Mm-hmm. And this, was, this is the equivalent to the population of Spain, the population of Canada. And where is it in the news? That is the question. We, we haven't had much coverage of it. And yet, um, two million homes were destroyed, 90% of crops. And the unfortunate thing with water damage especially is it has really long-term impacts, you know, yeah. when the soil is um, waterlogged. This is going to affect a couple of generations, and yet no one's talking about this devastation. Um, so do you guys, have you guys felt that? Have you guys felt that there's an underreporting of these things, and how does it make mm. you feel? That's quite interesting. The stats that you've just said there, I mm. had not heard those neither before. That's my first time, um, mm. especially the, the the crops one. Where uh, I'm from, Punjab, where a lot of people are agriculturally. That's what they do for work. You know, they're farmers. Exactly. That's livelihoods of so many people that are just gone. Exactly, and they're you know working paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. or I mean, not really a paycheck as such. Literally, you know, food to mouth. Yeah. Every single day, relying yeah. on that, mm-hmm. and so exactly. Um, I think even looking at like exports and stuff, if mm. that much crop was destroyed, then mm. you know all that revenue that comes from the exports, because a lot of the exports are mm. in terms of you know the crops and the food 
that Pakistan exports. And if that's not there, then that's quite disturbing. But um, I think, like, unfortunately, people here would only care about things like that happening yeah. when they're livelihood is like you know how people are really upset but they're not being cucumbers and tomatoes yeah like nobody actually was like why is that an issue what is yeah. happening it was yeah. more we don't have what we are used to and that's why we're upset uh-huh. they're not looking at the livelihoods of these people in these countries because yeah. it doesn't affect them mm-hmm. until it does exactly but that is an interesting thing about it being yeah like so far away and yet i think the most interesting figure to me was maybe um the kind of comparison to Spain and Canada, you know? And yeah. the fact that if that whole area, like, for example, if Spain was just covered in water, think about the absolute outcry of the world, you know? Yeah. The amount of people that would donate. Yeah. And yet, yeah. there's just, like, a single headline on BBC that probably says, yeah. oh, flood in Pakistan. And yeah. everyone's so used to hearing this that, like, oh, the developing world is at it again, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, just another problem for us to mm-hmm. try and, and give money towards, you know? Yeah, and even denying the... I, I think we come back to colonialism a lot, but mm-hmm. a lot of these structural issues that are left there were because of the British. Do you know, yeah. why is Pakistan 100%. not able to recover as quickly as maybe some other countries would have been able to? Exactly. It's not really on them, I think, if you look mm-hmm. at like, the history... It's not fair to mm-hmm. put that blame on them for, for a country that, you know, it's, it's so hard for people just to survive day to day. And then when you're hit with a flood to, to recover, because yeah. they'll still be recovering from that. And then we're looking at climate change. It's not going to stop. It's not stopping for anyone. Mm-hmm. So like the heat and stuff, it's still happening in Pakistan. The, the temperatures are, oh, it's horrific there. It is. And the colonial impact is such a, a big thing because it's also the West that is producing all this um, you know, carbon dioxide mm. that's then causing the floods. Mm. And as you say, we've not put Pakistan or India in any kind of position to deal with, you know, the infrastructure to deal yeah. with it. And um, because their economy is so rooted in agriculture, mm-hmm. probably also to sell to the West, uh-huh. um, everything is just mm-hmm. for, the, everything they do is affected by and for the West. And yet the West offers no assistance whatsoever yeah. in these circumstances. Yeah. yeah. But um, another interesting thing, actually, just talking about colonialism is, you know, of course, the idea that people in the developing world are, um, like, disproportionately affected by soil damage and stuff that actually goes back to those times, you know, that Mm. we, they extracted raw materials and just drained these countries for everything they were worth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, they're just continuing to suffer, but there's... There's yeah. no accountability. I think even when you're talking about, like, you're talking about the soil being waterlogged, but yeah. even during colonial times, there's that whole, uh, there was planting of, like, indigo that happened in South Asia. And one of the really detrimental after effects of that was that the chemicals left behind from that meant that that land couldn't be used to produce other crops. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, like, cyclical farming, which was something yes. that farmers in South Asia practiced before, where they, you know, they let the ground rest. Mm-hmm. And when the British came in, it was like, no get on it every year yeah. they were they were making them produce and yeah. so it's no wonder that, that acceleration and then and then you're leaving that country with that with those problems and mm-hmm. then saying you're flooded deal with it exactly mm-hmm. uh, and, and i think that ties to what we were talking in the last episode of that capitalistic yeah you know society changing mm-hmm. the way things are yeah. meant to be done naturally uh-huh. you know, there's a reason why yeah. plants grow in a certain way and trying to force that is what's causing so many issues to yeah because mm-hmm. yeah. if you just trusted the local people as you say mm-hmm. they know the land and they they care about sustainability whereas yeah. if you're just keen on profits and it's like they're yeah they're just going to be sending all the yeah. the food that for example that they grow and it appears in british supermarkets yeah. 
but the impact it leaves it's yeah it's horrific i think even caring for the earth that whole thing that's come about now indigenous cultures have been caring from the earth right from the beginning of time mm-hmm. do you know um if we're looking specifically at south asia this was something mm-hmm. is very much part of the culture there now maybe less now as it's becoming more westernized but that was ingrained in people and yeah. it's something that the west is just learning now from those cultures and then saying you know we need to save the earth you yeah. stop people saving the earth exactly. and now you're going back to saying oh right. so we, we we made a mistake uh-huh. and it's not even there's no recognition of the mistake either so you're not even saying that you you did that exactly but that's such an interesting point about the west realizing now mm. that obviously you know yeah we we need to save the rainforest and and telling brazil yeah that they cannot chop down the rainforest mm. because um of the impact it's going to have on the environment uh-huh. but then what did they do like how did the west develop yeah, they are the ones exactly. who cut down their rent, like forest. I think the UK has cut down eighty percent of its uh, its forestry, yeah. so that they had that wood that they could fuel the tr- steam engines or whatever, yeah. and then they could develop and they could thrive. And yeah. now that they've had this epiphany, yeah, no one else is allowed to develop. No one know? else is allowed exactly. to develop in the same way that they developed. And the thing is, mm-hmm. it's they're still developing at that rate. The con- the rate of consumption is v- very high in the West. We're looking yeah. at the USA. We're looking at um, the UK. Okay, mm-hmm. you're consuming so much you're consuming like the amount that whole countries aren't even do you know a, a yeah. singular states or whatever exactly the demand yeah mm-hmm. um but do you guys think that um it's acceptable like ethically justified to tell china for example mm-hmm. that they should stop these you know stop building these factories that pump out co2 how do you feel about that kind of interaction Mm, I think it depends who it's coming from. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not objectively wrong to tell them to stop doing that because yeah. that is an issue. But at the same time, like you said, yeah, who's saying this? The exactly. people in America, yeah. from the UK, who are doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't want China to gain because they are competitors. It's really yeah. it's an economic thing rather than genuine care for the environment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I fully agree yeah. with that. I mean, I guess it's an interesting thing about the past being the past. You know, mm-hmm. like if we, if the UK has done all this in the past Mm -hmm. and now they've realized i think it's a difficult one because obviously it is true that china brazil india are like kind of the biggest producers of co2 Mm -hmm. but it's just such a difficult balance to strike because Mm -hmm. you know what about development and if you're trying to save the planet quote unquote yeah you're still gonna have to affect people's lives in the process and then Mm -hmm. if it's about like human life yeah but then i think also instead of making like china the bad man why are is the us or the uk not funding that you have had your chance to develop now why are you not funding them you know maybe investing into more renewable energy and and things like that you you've caused the earth enough damage Mm -hmm. but now you're saying countries can't develop why not you know not that this is something that's going to happen they would they would not (laughs) He's not even paying reparations for stuff it actually did. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it would happen. But um, that's food for thought, isn't it? That yeah. if you have something to say so boldly, mm-hmm. put your money where your mouth is. And like you said, with colonialism and the British paying reparations, they're largely the issue there isn't yeah. this infrastructure in places like Pakistan, Bangladesh and India. So why don't they pay that? Yeah. And sure, yeah. Okay, it might increase mm-hmm. CO2 emissions to build whatever they need to build but in the long term it's better for the environment yeah. if they really do care about yeah. the environment then yeah. they should be the ones paying for that yeah mm-hmm. exactly um i think another point as well is that 
I think a lot of people think that the the climate injustice is to people just in the global south, mm-hmm. but people of color um face a lot more you know injustice yeah. because of the climate even here i mean even if you're looking i know that the u.s just keeps coming up but uh, the, the way the way that uh, indigenous people are dealt with so mm. you know the, the places where they live the run the water there yeah. is not fit for drinking no yeah. exactly and i think i even read something about um even in london for example uh for example i think i think i do have a statistic actually <laughs> Um, which is yeah, like the inequalities in London, and it's it has such a an environmental impact as well. Because mm-hmm. apparently, um, like the black population of London are more likely to breathe in illegal levels of air pollution. Oh goodness! And they're four times as likely not to have access to outdoor space, um, whether that be gardens, whether that be a balcony, mm-hmm. and so yeah, just like even very close to home, these environmental impacts is just. Mm-hmm. Racism, colonialism, these histories keep yeah. following yeah. us. Is and that class related? Like those statistics, you know, relating to where people of colour are staying in, in certain I cities? I think so, like exactly. Yeah. yeah, like the black areas, I guess, mm-hmm. have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think the interesting question to me is, this is almost equating to life. And it feels like, especially when it comes to, um, yeah, like toxic fumes and stuff people are breathing in, yeah. it's almost like your money... can buy you life if that makes sense like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the amount of wealth that you have equates to how much of a right you have to survival it's just so upsetting that even this is all tied down to race and politics and Mm. everything like that like this is the environment we're talking about this is something that should unify us and we should all be hearing about it like Mm. as a whole universally yeah exactly and the fact that it's once again being weaponized as something that's like oh, it's happening here and it's happening there and, like, it's not going to affect us and, you know, it's going to benefit us if we do this. Mm-hmm. Why can't we all just, like, take a step back and be like, <laughs> yeah. yo, the world's not in a great state. Can we not just work together? Yeah. It doesn't matter where your yeah. money's coming from or where it's going to. Mm-hmm. Like, this is all for, like, the greater good at the end of the yeah. day. And everyone kind of doesn't I think care about that. I think they're all in such a selfish state that exactly. the greater good is not relevant yeah. it's the greater so it's almost like personal greater good where can i make the most money yeah. where, where, where am i gaining from this you know so greed again it just comes back down yeah. to greed as yeah. most I things do i think mm-hmm. it's interesting like you said the money buys health yeah. because like we talked about in the last episode it's the top one percent that are producing all of these yeah. CO2 emissions so it's like they're getting away with destroying the environment and then mm. also living after doing that and they don't have to deal with the repercussions of that yeah it's a level of ignorance it's just there yeah so it's not good yeah. <laughs> um and i think sometimes their own outputs for the top one percent is more than entire countries and you don't oh see someone gosh. saying oh you know this one person needs to stop it's never like that it's like oh you know this country in the global south is going to wreck the environment <laughs> and is it really that's so true but that's an interesting one about like private corporations especially mm-hmm. and i think this is why it's so difficult for countries to actually do something because they mm-hmm. maybe are controlled by these lobbies yeah, and like yeah. But it's, I think, obviously, something like taxation yeah. would obviously be ideal for this kind of thing. But I think, as you say, people are just in that one mindset yeah. of make money, make money, make money. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And I think the knowledge that people are presented with as well is directly coming from these lobbies. Because I remember mm-hmm. reading about it in the USA, specifically, like the meat and dairy lobby was 
basically changing like research and you know talking about the whole like calcium makes your bones stronger mm. where like it that's not been proven yeah. in in the same way that they were they were saying it had but like even like the the meat industry has such a high a, a stronghold over these countries that they just um they're not going to reduce consumption of that either mm. exactly um i think in an, another interesting point um going back to like pakistan actually is it just you know we're talking about inequalities and how it's obviously something like the world collapsing should in theory affect everyone equally uh-huh. but unfortunately certain groups are are more affected and we saw in Pakistan unfortunately that women and children were 14 times more likely to be affected wow. so um actually not even affected more likely to die and so i think that's a really interesting byproduct of these things as well mm-hmm. you know the inequalities and um i think that's a common thing with general natural disasters and even poverty like a yeah. war it's always women who yeah. are you know the most vulnerable and therefore yeah. people capitalize on that mm-hmm. but like you said mm-hmm. i think if that was somewhere like spain then there would be uproar you know you would have heard that statistic a thousand times it would be all over the news and yet, yeah that that is the first time i'm hearing about and that. the fact that mm-hmm. like you're talking about the water logging and that's going to last generations yeah Yeah. You know, people are simply ignoring that that like that's detrimental to Pakistan's future. Yeah. E- even if you're looking at like the tourism industry in in Pakistan, you know there's been effects from this uh from this natural disaster. Uh you could say to like uh heritage sites. So if you're looking at from someone who's looking from an ancient history background. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking at like Mohenjo-daro um that's something that's like an ancient heritage site that because of the floods is just now no longer you know it's it's something that's going to be lost and for a place like Pakistan that doesn't have the capacity the same capacity for tourism losing something so important like that Mm-hmm. is detrimental and for something that's not even been fully researched yet. Mm-hmm. You know this this thing's not been researched. We're losing it before we're even getting mm-hmm. the research. Like, that's there. a whole culture and history. That's a whole culture that's already uh, so put almost to the back burner. It's already the curriculum's already so focused on, you know, white history. Mm-hmm. But then when you're losing these actual material parts of history, you before you've had the chance. I mean, it, if you're looking even, you know, this is like a natural climate disaster, but even if you're looking in the Middle East because of war, we've lost mm-hmm. so much of our own history as people of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's an interesting point as well. That's really interesting. I think even I heard that um in wartime especially with the US apparently a lot of people they target historical sites and museums mm, and yeah. archives and it's like it's a, a morale kind of thing you know wow. where you're trying to destroy the heritage of a person and you know the confidence yeah. that yeah which is horrific. what they come from basically isn't it the, the, their whole because your history is what you are as a people your culture mm-hmm. and if you take that away from someone i think you leave them bereft almost exactly Um is actually another interesting thing uh kind of going back to the climate crisis which is how many people will have to you know talk about heritage and stuff will probably have to leave you know the places that that they grew up you know yeah. um I even heard that the Maldives is the lowest lying uh place in the whole world mm-hmm. and it's predicted to actually disappear fully <clears throat> in the next like 10 15 years uh, I think the highest point is 2.4 meters Ooh. yeah so when there's rising sea levels mm-hmm. and their land is just being very rapidly taken over um what do people like this do you know and yeah. um they do, i think 
the president of the Maldives has even planned to buy land in India yeah. to try and just move their whole population. Oh, wow. yeah. But what kind of implications yeah. does that have for the people? And the thing is, if you told someone about Mal- the Maldives, they would just say, oh, what, our, our holiday destination's gone. Yeah. And that, again, yeah. as you were saying, it's that selfish part of people yeah. where it's like, mm. this is what you've taken from me. Yeah. Where it's like, there's people that live in the Maldives, that's yeah. their home. And again, like... I feel like I've seen so many people talk about like Venice sinking and how yeah. that's like, oh my god, my children aren't going to get to see Venice forever. <laughs> and it's like, you caring about this Western place yeah. where actually, Maldives were, it is actually a threat. Yeah. Like, it is exactly. not just some far yeah. off thing yeah. that's yeah. eventually going to happen. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a real issue. It's so true. Even I think I heard, you know, Machu Picchu in like Peru <laughs> yeah. and how it's like gradually falling off the hill. People are like, oh, I gotta oh, go see it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the soil it's built on, mm-hmm. maybe because there's so many tourists now, it's like, Ooh. Oh, gradually no. deteriorating yeah so if you don't go see it now that um, is such a shame though as well yeah. then that's the thing yeah. like oh i have to go see it now and it's yeah. like you were adding to the issue it's the same yeah. with hawaii yeah. it's like the tourists are yeah. ruining the yeah. environment there uh-huh. but they feel so eager to yeah. go see it before it's ruined that they're adding to and the isn't it that the hawaiians are saying like don't come don't here go. please yeah. just leave uh-huh. and people are just still going no. uh-huh. exactly mm-hmm. even like in places like pakistan pakistan is very very well known for tourism it's like it's a natural beauty it's amazing but a lot of their economic growth comes from that as well Mm. so like Mm. reducing tourism also comes at the cost of you know kind of messing with the economy and it's like where does that put you Mm. but it's again just like food for thought yeah like foreigners you know it's only useful to them to the point that they can exploit it you know and get Mm. something from Mm. it yeah and yet when this beautiful place that they were like oh my god i went on a trip to pakistan and yeah. you know and it was so beautiful and look at my pictures and yeah <laughs> there's and no now, connection to the actual culture of people there yeah. exactly and now that it's flooded mm-hmm. and there's all this devastation mm-hmm. they hear like pakistan on the radio and they're like i went there <laughs> yeah exactly they don't actually care about the impact it's having and mm-hmm. and even though as you say because of all these colonial roots mm-hmm. i'm just continually shocked at how little britain itself you know stands up and says yeah. look this is our previous colony this is the empire yeah. they don't see anything how about we pay reparation for all of the how yeah. about <laughs> we do that how about even just start with a bit of education like yeah. when were we ever taught about the bad side of colonialism yeah in Never. high school and maybe this is why people don't care about pe- things like pakistan much you know like yeah. if you think yeah. about history the british people should have such a connection to pakistan if not maybe yeah. an emotional connection like a <laughs> a sense of what they contributed yeah and yet because there's no teaching of colonialism at all yeah i think in an attempt to erase talking about colonialism yeah, yeah. They've also yeah. just not talked about those countries anymore mm. as well it's like mm. let's just brush that all under the rug yeah, yeah. exactly and I think specifically with Pakistan as well, there's an interesting element of you know partition too, mm-hmm. and the fact that the reason they have so little infrastructure, and the reason, um, for example, the government is not going to give that much money to recover, is because of the corruption, because of the yeah. mismanagement, which uh-huh. is all because of partition. Yeah. It, partition, yeah. and then also like the the constant almost meddling from the west oh yeah where it's there's so much intervention in countries like pakistan or even afghanistan where it's like almost managing from the sidelines mm. like you know making sure that everything is going in their favor but never in a useful way like oh never in a useful never, way never at all. with the infrastructure to help them develop further yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. and that's why all of these schemes you know always end up really badly because mm 
they'll you know yeah they'll undermine a government to get mm-hmm. one that suits them yeah but as you say they're not actually going to follow through they're not yeah. gonna yeah. put that government up and then yeah. show them the way they're yeah. just gonna be like yeah. you know fearing yeah. like they literally just don't care at all and then when it comes to the willow project um they're imposing these like preventative measures which they probably wouldn't have imposed when it comes to other countries and the amount of money they're putting into the willow project as well kind of just reinstates that exactly it's like if it's not for profit then what's the point, you know? But, yeah, exactly. Um, it's like they're avoiding taking accountability mm-hmm. by, I guess, like... I mean, they don't have to because they are funding all that money. Mm-hmm. Whereas they could at least, like, take accountability for the things they've done exactly. in other countries. And, you know, even if it's not for the things that they've done in the past, which have mm-hmm. been plentiful, um, <laughs> it's things... I think even if you were thinking uh, on... If they're very self-motivated, I think just like we were saying about if sea levels rise and everyone has to kind of... Uh, the population of the world has to come closer together. Yeah. I think, you know, we know how hostile the West is to refugees mm. and climate refugees are on the rise. Apparently it's, you know, the next big crisis of, as we say, with the Maldives or with low-lying countries in general, the Netherlands is gone, <laughs> you know, Bangladesh as well, you know, yeah, yeah. these places um, with massive populations like Bangladesh, yeah. the mm. West should, if anything, protect itself mm-hmm. and give these people protections yeah. so that they can, um, you know, build themselves out of poverty and deal with it themselves. Um, yeah. But yeah, we don't want the meddling again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's been too much of that. The meddling has not helped with anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pay your reparations, pay your money, and leave. Leave them alone. As long as they take accountability and acknowledge what they've done. And they can do that through education, mm-hmm. through kind of just... Even prepare, not preparing the future, but you know, indicating to the future that this is what we've done in the past. Let's not do that again. Mm. Exactly. I just think that's all like unfortunately quite hypothetical, though, because yeah, yeah, I doubt that'll happen. But mm. yeah, in an ideal world, <laughs> there are countries that have definitely done it. I know, mm. like for instance, in Germany, I'm pretty sure they educate um, their students about the Holocaust, etc. Mm. Yeah, and I just they don't do that with the UK when it comes no, to colonialism. Exactly. I mean, yeah, in an ideal world, the West would indeed uh, stand up and, you know, fix all the problems that they've caused, uh, especially with climate change. But, you know, I guess we'll just have to hope and pray. Um, But on that note, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. And yeah, hope to see you again soon.